away so much I forget how things work. <laughs> good to see you this morning. It's good to be here. Beautiful day outside that the Lord has made for us. And uh, it's just great to be alive in Christ, isn't it? We will be uh, studying on page uh, 64 of our book, What is Your Occupation? And that is taken from Genesis 47 and verse 3. We'll hit the high points of the lesson, then I have some added comments uh, at the end that we will try to cover. But you're familiar with the context of Genesis 47, verse 3. Joseph is in Egypt, and uh, the episode of his brothers coming down and all that ensues there, and then the grad, glad reunion, the forgiveness, uh, and then all of uh, Jacob's family uh, moving down because of the famine in uh, Palestine and being welcomed by Pharaoh uh, who made it possible for Joseph to rise in, in power and influence in this country and so he welcomes Joseph's family. And so when they come down as they are assembled and before they get settled in, uh, there in Genesis 47, verse 3, Pharaoh is addressing Joseph's brethren, and he just simply asks them, what is your occupation? What do you do? What, what is your profession? And then, of course, uh, uh, the response that uh, we are shepherds, like um, our forefathers were, and so are we. And we desire to live in your country because we have no pastures at home for our flocks. And so back in uh, chapter 46 and verse 34, it's just the simple acknowledgement that the uh, Egyptians considered shepherds a, an abomination. So evidently, uh, the land of Goshen uh, in Egypt uh, would be such that they would have plenty of room to grow and multiply and bring their flocks of sheep, while at the same time maybe being separated some part so that they would not be looked upon and despised by the Egyptians. And isn't it something in God's providence how that this being the case, that shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians, that Pharaoh would say, sure, come on into our country. Bring your flocks. I have a place for you. It just shows how God was working through all of this in his providence uh, to help his people. And so our author in the book uses just a simple question uh, as a springboard to uh, discuss the general topic of one's occupation, one's profession. And he makes several good points in the lesson. We will hit some of the highlights there. Uh, he makes mention of the fact that uh, the occupation of shepherd uh, is as old as the Old Testament. 
We notice in uh, Genesis chapter 4 that Abel, who was one of the sons of uh, Adam, was a keeper of sheep. And so you see shepherding throughout uh, the Bible. In the New Testament, uh, it's even used uh, as a metaphor to describe the work of elders in the church. It's one of the uh, terms that's used to describe the bishops or the elders or the overseers is shepherd, pastor. And so it's one of my, it's really my favorite term for, for elders uh, that I use in referring to elders. I, I prefer to refer to them as our shepherds. And we are the flock of God here and they shepherd us, they oversee us. And so this is uh, as old as the, New the Old Testament itself. Um, he makes uh, some mention here in point number two of Jonah. Not really any connection with the rest of it other than that he too was asked this question, what is your occupation and how shameful that being a spokesman for God that uh, he would have done what he did and thus put uh, the people and the owners of the ship, that, uh, the boat that he was in, in grave danger. But he goes on uh, down in uh, sub point number two under that, and he just makes the point, you know, uh, that that was very unbecoming behavior for a messenger of God. And so it's, uh, I guess, a signal to all those who would be teachers of God's word or preachers of the gospel that um, you live in a glass bowl and people are watching and uh, may not seem to be fair, but it's the case that there is a double standard that those who uh, proclaim to stand in the stead of God in proclaiming his word and preaching the gospel that our conduct and our occupation in, in that realm uh, be as unblemished as we possibly can make it. And it is a sad thing. From time to time we hear news in the brotherhood where maybe a well-known preacher of the gospel has been caught uh, in sinful acts and maybe at that point because he was caught repenting and we trust that it's uh, genuine but be that as it may, uh, if one's occupation has to do with preaching the gospel or teaching, uh, we just live under a double standard and that's okay. That's the way it is and that's the way it should be because of all people, uh, they must stand uh, before God in their occupation. He makes a note that everyone should have an occupation and that that really is what God had created for man to do from the very beginning. God created and adapted man to work. Before the fall, there in the early chapters of Genesis, he was told to dress and keep the Garden of Eden. So before the fall, when everything was still perfect and everything, that would uh, have amounted to, I guess, mainly uh, just uh, 
keeping them trim, harvesting the fruit, and so on and so forth, because it was only after the fall that the thorns and the thistles began to grow up, and part of tending uh, a garden would involve uh, toil, uh, arduous uh, toil. And so the point is that uh, this has been God's plan from the beginning, was that man should work. And after the fall, he was told that in the sweat of your brow will uh, you eat bread. He mentions two passages in uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11, where Paul commanded the, the Thessalonians to work with their own hands. So again, the idea uh, of working, working with your hands, it's honorable. It's a commandment of God. And he goes on in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 to say that if anybody not work or provide for his own, then uh, he should not eat. If a man will not work, neither shall he eat. And boy, is, is that needed today, isn't it? It's a phenomenon. Really, everywhere you go, now hiring, uh, now hiring, now hiring, and going into places and not getting the kind of service that we have become accustomed to because of a shortage of workers. And we've been up in this year up into the northeast and around and everywhere we go out west. The same thing in every window. Help wanted, now hiring. Billboards, now hiring. It just seems that men, for whatever reasons, uh, don't desire to work. And maybe just expecting a, 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 a handout. It's shameful, and it's a sad commentary. Uh, on our world, and I just pray that uh, it will improve and get better in time. So it's God's law that man work or starve if he is able to work. It makes the point that uh, employment is essential to happiness, and we know uh, that to be true. He makes a point here that an occupation uh, is much, you're, you're much more able to be happy uh, if your job is uh, something that serves people. And actually, I guess any uh, kind of work, if it's honorable and honest, would be considered that because uh, it's uh, even when you're in an occupation where you are making things, maybe not necessarily directly helping people out in their station in life, but down the chain, it all adds to it. It's, it's all together. So any, I would dare say that any honest and honorable work would be uh, in service to, to others because we're all in this life together and Everything uh, goes together to help. He mentions in number four, occupations affect associations. And he brings up the fact that uh, Paul was a tent maker. 
and that because of his occupation, it brought him into contact with Aquila and Priscilla there in Acts chapter 18. And you remember that this was a strong uh, relationship and uh, Aquila and Priscilla uh, is a good example of a husband and wife team. And I, I've always liked that term that uh, Kay and I are a team uh, for the Lord. And that's the way it was with uh, Aquila and Priscilla. And uh, their occupation brought them in association with each other, uh, with, uh, with Paul. He mentions Demetrius, uh, in which uh, he made heathen gods, and it led him to fight against the truth, because it would destroy his business. If he gave up uh, his trade, um, then that's what would be necessary for him to be acceptable. But because uh, he fought against that truth, um, it was not good. And so, again, it's commendable for a man to climb to the top of businesses. Nothing wrong with advancement, but never at the sacrifice of conviction. And this is a good point. It's a strong point. Because there is that temptation in the workplace. Uh, there is built into most occupations a, a track to uh, advance in that. And everybody, uh, I'm pretty sure, has the uh, desire to uh, excel and to advance in their work, to get promotions, to get bonuses, and, and so on. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, if doing so involves compromising uh, your Christian faith, then it's wrong. And if it means not getting a promotion or if it means not advancing like you would like to, so be it. It's just the way it is. Uh, but this is a large temptation. I'm, I'm sure you all know what, what we're talking about here. In the workplace, uh, where I dare say most of the people that, that uh, you come in contact with, maybe not necessarily bad people, but they're not Christian. And uh, they're different from you uh, relative to your faith uh, in the Lord, in your Christian life, letting your light shine. So brethren, let's, let's guard against that. Let's, let's guard ourselves uh, and not fall victim to uh, compromising the truth uh, because of an advancement or something in our employment. And I think all of us, uh, I know all of us, uh, agree with that. Uh, occupations are so important and essential that a person would consider several vital questions in deciding uh, which he should follow. And he mentions a few of these. We'll just touch on them uh, very briefly. Number one, will it hinder me in the Lord's work? Uh, Matthew 6, uh, 38, we all know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And that's a no-brainer, of course, for the Christian. 
as we are looking at a, a job from the get-go, from the beginning, before you even have the job that, that you are aspiring to, this question needs to come up, and I'm sure it does. But that is, will taking this job hinder me in the Lord's work or living as a Christian? And there are some occupations that just from the very definition uh, is not suitable for a Christian uh, to have. And you can sit there and think of, of many such occupations that uh, this would apply to, but it is a, a good question and a needful question that we need to ask ourselves. Okay, before I commit myself to, to this job or this work, let me just kind of step back and take a bird's eye view. Where is it going to lead me? What's going to be involved if I get into this? And what I'm going to need to do to uh, excel in this and advance in this? How is it going to affect my Christianity? How is it going to affect my family? My family life. Very, very important question. And he mentions this uh, quote by Abraham Lincoln. If in your judgment you cannot be an honorable lawyer, resolve to be honest without being a lawyer. Sort of a no-brainer there. Uh, First and foremost, uh, how is this going to affect me spiritually? Then number two, will it be in the good interest of my family? Uh, a man must provide for his own. Uh, 1 Timothy 5, 8, if any man provide not for his own, especially those of his own house. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Uh, so another question that needs to be considered. First, how is it going to affect my standing with the Lord? Second, and it's uh, really uh, part of the same, Will it, how is it going to affect my family? And this is so important. We're living in a time that it almost is, uh, is necessary uh, for both the husband and the wife to, to work. Uh, for the woman, at least to work uh, part-time or some of the time. Uh, we have to work doubly hard in, in the time that we're living in, uh, in such circumstances. Uh, for the family not to fall between the cracks. If the husband and the wife uh, both uh, have to work to make ends meet, to put food on the table, to keep uh, wheels under your feet so that you can get from place to place, a roof over your head, utilities paid, clothing on your back, if it takes both of you, then uh, the Lord understands that, but again, Everything has to be looked through the eyes of how is this going to affect my family. Family is the foundation of our whole society. It is the foundation that God has placed for us. The family, husband, wife, father, mother, children. Those children are raised up by somebody. 
preferably you. Or if not so, then those who are Christians. Very important question. How is this job, this occupation, going to affect my family? Well, number three, uh, will it hinder my health? Uh, he references here 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. I'm reading from the New King James. And it says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And so one's health. Another question, how is this job, this occupation, profession, going to affect my health? Uh, right now, you see the advertisements on, on television uh, about people working in environments that was harmful, and years later on down the road is coming back uh, to haunt them in the form of various cancers and so on and so forth. Sometimes we don't know these things uh, before we enter into an occupation. Only afterwards things like that are discovered. But at least at the beginning, before one considers a work or an occupation or a job, then this question is, is valid. Uh, how is it going to affect my health? Physically and even mentally, how is it going to affect my health? And if we come out honestly saying, well, it's not going to be good for my spiritual and physical health, then we need to look elsewhere for employment. He goes on and mentions, can I be happy with this employment? And I guess that is uh, very subjective. But anyway, those are the main points that our author uh, has brought out. Uh, we come over to the New Testament and of course he mentioned uh, some of the occupations of the Old Testament, the shepherd being one of those uh, occupations. Uh, in the New Testament he mentioned Paul as a tent maker along with Aquila and Priscilla. But when we come over to the New Testament there are some occupations that uh, our author didn't mention that I, th I think would be good for us to look at in the time that we have remaining. You look at the apostles of Jesus. What occupations are represented in the apostles of our Lord? Fishermen, that comes to mind first, doesn't it? Peter, James, and John. Uh, fishermen, what else? I'm, I'm sorry? Right, Matthew. Uh, we could go on. Uh, there is uh, also later the apostle of late, Paul, a tent maker. If you were to ask Jesus before his ministry began, what is your occupation? What would he have answered? Carpenter. 
for 30 some odd years, or at least for maybe 20 of those years before he began his ministry, our Lord was training to be and became a carpenter. Is this the Son of God? Uh, so carpentry, let's consider the occupation of carpentry. It is an honorable profession. There are some scriptures, several scriptures, uh, mentioning uh, carpenters. In uh, Genesis 6, we see that uh, God commands Noah to make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. And you remember the dimensions. How many of you have ever been to the ark up in Kentucky? Some of you have, Kay and I have. That required the work of a carpenter, many carpenters. It may be that Noah employed those of the world around him who maybe thought this is foolishness, it's stupid, it's ridiculous, but I'm getting paid for it. So yeah, I'll, I'll help you build this, th this thing. But carpentry, it goes all the way back. And I understand that the ark uh, up in Kentucky was actually made by skilled carpenters. The Amish, I believe, right? Were the ones that were brought in and employed to actually put that ark together, to build it. And we know that the Amish uh, are expert craftsmen in wood and so on. Well, there is in Exodus, when the tabernacle were, was being put together and instructions given, uh, Moses was told uh, to bring in those with craftsmanship to make designs for working in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood. That's in Exodus chapter 35. We come on over to 2 Samuel chapter 5. And here in verse 12, the king, which here would in context would be Joash, then Hiram, uh, king of Tyrus' messages, uh, no, I got ahead of myself there. In 2 Samuel 5, 11, uh, this is when David had become king. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messages to David with cedar trees and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built a house for David. Then in 2 Chronicles 24 and verse 12, uh, the king, and this would be King Joash, who tried to turn Israel back to God, the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord, and also workers in iron and bronze to repair the house of the Lord. Then we come over to the New Testament, and Matthew 13, 55, in context, this is Jesus in his hometown performing uh, uh, miracles in, in verse 55 is not this the carpenter's son? It's not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? So here Jesus is described as the son of a carpenter. We don't know at what point Joseph left the scene 
how long he worked at home as a carpenter, training his son Jesus uh, to be a carpenter. And then in Mark 6, verse 3, is not this Jesus, the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, and so on. So he's the son of a carpenter, and then he is described as a carpenter in his own right. Well, the definition of a carpenter, the Greek word here means a worker in wood, a joiner, a builder, a craftsman in wood. And some have even suggested that entailed within the idea of this word would be what we would call a handyman, one who fixes things. That may be true as well.